0: Hi there, my name is Mubashra and this is Colour Me PR podcast. Join me for conversations with diverse women in communications who break the ceiling with what they can do. This podcast is all about being inspired and inspiring others. Welcome to our safe space. Hi, Lena. Thank you for joining me on Color Me PR podcast today. I'm so excited to have you on for this monumentous episode for International Women's Day. How are you doing?
1: I am excellent, Mubashra. Thank you so much for having me on today. It is just such an honor and I'm so happy to chat with you today.
0: Thank you so much. So listeners, let me introduce you to our very special guest. Lina Almeida is a writer, social media strategist, lifestyle influencer, and work-at-home mom of two. With over 10 years of experience in blogging, brand management, and taking part in television and radio broadcast segments, Lina is truly talented at using communications to spread positivity. Now on International Women's Day, Lina is joining us to share a little bit of her journey as a woman of color, how she used her skills to create a brand, and what fellow women of color can do to support one another and make the most out of their careers. I am truly honored to have you here today, Lina, as someone with years of experience in communications in all forms, from written to visual, And as someone who's carved their own path for success, it's really great to have you on for this International Women's Day episode. And I think our our listeners are going to get a really great surprise. (laughs) I'm smiling from ear to ear. (laughs) Amazing. So I thought maybe we could start with chatting a little bit about your background. Sure.
1: So, I mean, we could go really far, which (laughs) is that I was born in Toronto, um, raised in Mississauga to... Immigrant parents of East Indian descent. So, you know, growing up in the 80s, and again, this is Color Me podcast. So, like you said, just sharing a little bit about, you know, some of the things I went through that has shaped me as both an adult and a businesswoman. Again, I was first generation Canadian, or I should say I am first generation Canadian. And growing up in the 80s, it was just, that was the thing. Most of my friends, the people I was around were, you know, all just kind of having about the same childhood because we're all children of immigrants. Mm -hmm. And being East Indian, of course, um, it was a little bit different for me because I'm also Catholic. So I had the bonus experience of going to Catholic elementary schools and high schools and being surrounded by people who did not look like me. (laughs) And, you know, just very different. I I basically grew up with Europeans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a really young age, just being kind of singled out as a brown girl was, it was tough. I'm not gonna lie. Um, You know, if, if I could use the words feel free to bleep it out, but I was literally called a Paki before I knew where Pakistan was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I say that to, you know, my husband or friends, like, imagine being identified as something and you're not even sure of the origin yeah. of what you're being called. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of what colored me growing up. I I wanted to do everything I could to do well. And get the heck out of there, do something with my life, kind of show them if that makes sense. So I was the proverbial brainer. Mm -hmm. Um, And all through high school, I just excelled. And finally, um, when I went to university, I chose a path in business. Mm -hmm. I say chose, but really, that was my parents' (laughs) choice for me. (laughs) They wanted me to have an office job. And the funny thing is, I had always been attracted to journalism, but my Mom at the time was like, what are you going to do with a journalism degree? Like get a good office job. So strategically, I actually chose Ryerson University, not for their business program, but because they also had a journalism program. Mm -hmm. And I figured that if I entered into business and then I really didn't like it. I would have a chance to cross over, right? As it turns out, I stayed in business um, because I fell in love with human resources management. And I actually graduated with a bachelor of commerce mm-hmm. um, in HR and communications, mm-hmm. which I think set me up really well <laughs> for my job eventually in blogging. Because not only did I have the passion for writing, but I also had the business know how to turn that blog into a business.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's so many things you said just there that I feel like a lot of people will be able to relate to especially from your you know your childhood sharing what it was like being a child that's the only person of color in the room. And again, I mean, now as adults we figured out ways how to navigate those conversations, but as a child, like you said, not understanding how people are referring to you or or what they're saying to you and and why. Um it can be pretty traumatizing, but I think I had myself a similar experience of kind of trying to find ways to excel out of that to kind of be the best you can to prove that everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're the only person of color in the room. If you're able to show that you're the hardest worker in the room, then that becomes the conversation, or at least you hope that that's what becomes the conversation.
1: Oh, you nailed it. Absolutely. Outshine them. That was literally my attitude from the start. You want to make fun of me? Well, then you're going to be making fun of the smartest girl in the class. (laughs) So that was just absolutely, really, that was the driver behind a lot of my success. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I was young, and even through the university, and even transitioning then to the workforce. So yeah, I mean, I'm a content creator now in 2021. But you know, years ago, I actually started in human resources Mm -hmm. in recruiting, and then moved on to employee satisfaction. Mm -hmm. But funny enough, um, we were chatting before about like choosing a career. And I, I don't know if... The career chose me or I chose it or a little bit of both, yeah. but I was actually on maternity leave with my first son just a month in, in 2008, when I received news that my position had been eliminated in human resources. So I had always wanted to start a blog and I always knew that I had the business know-how to elevate it and mm-hmm. do something different. Mm-hmm. So I begged my family, give me to the rest of that <laughs> let me try to make a business of this yeah. and if not then i will just go back and you know get that job in hr yeah and i'm so happy to say i haven't stepped in an office since so yep i was able to do it in 2008 <laughs> and i feel like i'm still thriving so i'm very very proud of myself and i feel very fortunate
0: that is amazing and th- that was actually going to be my next question is how did you find the courage and confidence to kind of make that shift and so i'm so happy to hear that you were able to make that decision for yourself and And I think, I think I kind of had a similar experience when I finished my last role and I decided I needed a sort of break and I wanted to launch this podcast. And at the time I thought, you know, oh, this is just going to be like a side project that maybe a couple of people that know me will listen to, um, but ended up turning into something so much more than that, which I'm so grateful for. But I really do think it comes down to those moments of when you're put in a difficult position and you decide to do something and, and put in that little bit of extra effort and have that confidence in yourself that really has an amazing result in the end.
1: Oh, absolutely. I was, you know, up at night anyways feeding my newborn, so I might as well bang <laughs> out a blog post at 3:30 a.m. I mean, this is what we do, but that's how you know it's, you know, it's your passion when you are at 3:30 a.m. logging for like you said like you're assuming four readers, yeah. you know, people who know you. Yeah. to
0: read. Yeah. Hey, no, if, even if you're doing one of those things, I think that deserves a huge round of applause. But the fact that you balance <laughs> all of those hats together is, is really inspirational. Thank you. So, that actually leads me into a new segment on this podcast called Boss Moments, where I highlight something about my guest that I think deserves special recognition and that listeners would be super interested in. And this is something that I've really wanted to ask you for quite some time. Lena, please explain your LinkedIn picture because not everyone is seen <laughs> arm in arm with one of the most influential women of color, Oprah. Please tell us how you met Oprah and what that experience was like.
1: Absolutely. So I have to start with when I did meet Oprah, the very first thing she said to me was, your eyebrows. <laughs> now, those are an example of greatness. And nobody has since or will ever say <laughs> anything. Quite nearly as flattering to me. So yes, I actually wanted to put that in my LinkedIn profile that Oprah recognized my eyebrow game, (laughs) but it was just, it was a great opportunity through blogging, through working with brands. Mm -hmm. Sleep Country Canada was actually the title sponsor of the, um, I guess the show, the, you know, when she was doing her tour and it was in Hamilton. And so they had actually reached out to me saying, you know, we are looking for women at the top of their game to invite as our special guests to sit in the front row and actually meet Oprah, wow. um, because we want to showcase to her who we feel are, you know, at the forefront mm-hmm. of women in business. Mm-hmm. And so it was never ever an option to say no and in fact it took place on my 35th birthday wow <laughs> so to be able to see I spent my birthday with Oprah was huge she was inspiring and you know yeah. I, I took so many takeaways but, and yes we I had a chance to meet her backstage <laughs> which was Pretty awesome. And because there was a professional photographer there, that photo, that moment has been immortalized forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely love it. And I love that you made that your LinkedIn picture, too. That's very strategic. <laughs> oh, I have very to. Well I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And so now that we're talking about Oprah as well, and again, as I mentioned, she's kind of one of those iconic figures in our contemporary history where she's done so much to advance conversations around not just women of color, but people of color and those who are not represented in mainstream media. And, you know, in your role as someone who's constantly dealing with media as well, do you think that being a woman of color has affected your success or even your credibility as a professional?
1: Ooh, so this is a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me pick it apart if you don't mind. Absolutely. So first I'm going to do I'm going to own something. And that is that when I first started blogging and I, I may switch from blogging to influencing to content creation, just because these were, you know, the words of the day to describe, you know, what we were doing as the last decade. Yeah. So if I go to being a blogger or blogging, when I first started blogging, um, I noticed very quickly that there weren't a lot of people who look like me. In fact, it, the industry was dominated by white women, particularly blonde white women. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to own this because when I first started blogging and I would go to conferences or I would be working with brands and see who else was working with brands, I formulated, I guess, my own hypothesis that that's what brands thought were the ideal mom, mm-hmm. the ideal woman. You have to be obviously white and blonde because they're the ones who are on all the campaigns. Yeah. Now, I think in the beginning, I did curate my brand, because of course, I wanted to work with more, you know, with more clients, and I wanted to be on more campaigns. I did, I did wash away my ethnicity, because I wanted to appear to look more like what I thought brands were the ideal Mm -hmm, mm mom. And I did that for years, and I admit it, and I was afraid to even mention that i, you know, had a more ethnic background or i was a woman of color, but what really changed for me was when my kids started getting older and like my older son Ryder, he's going to be 13 in may and i am obsessed with the melanin in his skin. He has he's darker than i am. He's got this lovely glow and i love it so much. Mm-hmm. And i realized that i didn't want them growing up feeling ashamed of who they were. The way I did. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't come this far to have them go through all the same feelings. Yeah. So I made a conscious decision then to stop trying to be what I thought brands wanted and start being what my kids needed me to be as a businesswoman and as a mother. And so I started writing into my captions more. Some of the things I went through going up, I, I made sure to always say, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm of East Indian descent. So This is why I feel, you know, particularly strong about this. I was doing recipes, like better chicken appear is one of the most popular (laughs) um, recipes on my site and just really, really embracing it more. Yeah. So how has it affected my success or credibility? Well, I feel like when I started owning it more, I started to feel internally that, I was more successful, regardless of what the brands were thinking or what my final line said, you know, in my bank account. My success was determined more when I embraced my ethnicity.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And I feel like I kind of resonate with that as well, because especially in the PR and communications world, I think people are often really focused on, you know, what's professional. That means dressing a certain way, speaking a certain way, behaving and looking a certain way. And I think that finally, finally, now that's starting to change a little bit where we're encouraging people to be comfortable with their language, their culture, their traditions, and bring that more into these professional spaces. And why now I feel like I can have these conversations in public and have this conversation with you in public. But, you know, I'd also love to know if there were any challenging moments that you had where you felt like your ethnicity was being used the wrong way or was being questioned.
1: Absolutely. So, when I started being more, I don't know if the word is up front or just more celebrating my ethnicity more, I actually had a few instances where, you know, I had PR reach out to me saying, "Your content is amazing. Your numbers are amazing. Um, can you look more Indian?" <laughs> just you know what I mean like you we need diversity on our campaign Mm -hmm. do you have any plans to dye your hair darker or do you have any more traditional posts that we can share with the client and it it was a really it was a head trip because after being afraid to reveal my ethnicity for so long. I was actually now asked to prove my ethnicity. So I just I couldn't believe it. But then these are learning moments, because it gave me the opportunity to have a very candid conversation, say, listen, off the record, that's not cool. Yeah, Like, imagine how, you know, being a woman of color, automatically, I feel that there are extra steps in my own head that I have to take every time I send a pitch email or every time I respond to request or with every photo I shoot,
0: yeah.
1: how I'm portraying myself and my family. But now, almost being said, well, we really need you on our campaign to tick a box. Yeah. So can you help us tick that box? That's actually, it made me pause. Yeah absolutely shocking
0: yeah it's shocking but at the same time it's also not unfortunately and again i think it's so good that we're having this conversation on international women's day because i think that and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like especially in the world of social media and visual representation people are focused on tokenism or just having that false representation where just have that one picture of a colored person on your social media profile that means you're a brand that values people of color
1: Absolutely. Like you said, just ticking that box, say, well, we've got one person to show that, you know, we're we're including everyone, but the funny thing is that like if I look outside now when we talk about representation, yeah. If I go to the grocery stores or if I look who's purchasing the latest fashion, we all are. There's yeah. a, if anything, there should be multiple boxes yeah. checked. And it's it's I spent so long trying to figure out what the ideal content creator looks like to brands without looking within me saying I exist I am represented in my community therefore I am ideal just because I do exist and I am represented and it took me a long time to realize that and even longer to understand that the brands that I want to work with are going to come to me because of that and not because they're looking to satisfy you know, a need for their one-off campaign. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, hey, that's why I reached out to you. I could recognize the the authenticity and just the kindness. And I think we need so much more of that. And this is also something that I wanted to share with listeners because as women of color, I think it can be scary to, especially on public platforms, just be yourself. And so having examples of women such as yourself who feel comfortable sharing you know, their truth, their experiences, their um, histories, their journeys, it's so important. And it's so valuable for especially those young minds that are still forming their, their identities. So I feel like even the kids that are like 10 years younger than me are already so much more confident than I am, you know, in themselves, which is amazing to see. I just want us to feel comfortable to be able to say, for me, for example, I come from a Pakistani background. It took me a long time to feel comfortable sharing that with someone I've just met or even someone I've known for many years. Right. I I appreciate that you do.
1: And that's why I also wanted to come on here to really admit it, to say that, you know, words like embarrassed, like frightened, hesitant, these are all things that went through my mind for sometimes I feel a majority of my life. And I wanted to come and say that, you know, I admit it. I admit to being afraid to, Telling people I was East Indian, and now I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm beautiful, I'm smart, <laughs> yes. I have a permadent <laughs> all year round, like <laughs> what I worried about? I but you know, and and that's why I really wanted to share that those feelings. It would be very disingenuous for me to come on and say, oh, I embrace my color, my ethnicity. I might now, but I didn't always. Mm -hmm. And for anyone who hasn't, you know, kind of reached our level of acceptance, it's okay, because we all kind of went through that.
0: Yeah. And so what do you think that women of color in communications or in media or anyone that might be wanting to establish a similar career path as, as you, what can they do to amplify their voices and garner the right kind of attention that hopefully can also help create positive change?
1: Absolutely. So I think what it really comes down to is being self-aware. And so knowing that not everything needs a megaphone. Little things that you do differently because of who you are, integrate that, whether it be in, you know, if you're a content creator, into your content, if you're working in communications, when it comes to speaking with your colleagues, or Mm -hmm. the way you relate to your coworkers, normalize it that it's part of you. And you're proud that it's Part of you. I've noticed that lately. It feels like sometimes it's like the extreme. So it's like it's the only thing I talk about, or I don't talk about it at all. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's not normal. Normalizing something is realizing this is who I am. This is how I relate to people. This is how I go about my day because of the experiences I've had. And sometimes it's because of the culture that's ingrained in me or the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. and embracing it and challenging others to embrace it.
0: Yeah. The piece of that that's been really resonating with me lately is also just finding that moment of kindness, right? I feel like focusing on being kind brings more inclusion as well. And I think that's something that as communicators or in any role, you can do more of.
1: Yes. And you know what? We, we've learned that. And it's funny because going back to my upbringing, you know, growing up with my parents who stressed, you know, perfect marks. It, it, it's, it's an old joke, but I feel so many of have us have gone through it where you bring home a test that's 98% and it's <laughs> what happened to the other 2%. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, literally yeah. that is the first question. <laughs> and, you know, from time to time, my mom, who I love dearly, but, you know, still has kind of her mind in the old ways, may say, you know, how are the boys doing? How is Ryder doing in school? How is Reed doing with his music lessons? And I always say the same thing. I say, Mom, you know what? They're great kids. They're going to get there. But I just need them to be kind human beings. I have said to my son a million times, I don't care if you're a barista at Starbucks, as long as you are happy (laughs) with your life and you're kind to others. Because at the end of the day, you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And You know, when I see the t-shirts say raise kind humans, I'm like, yes, that's (laughs) literally all I'm trying to do to raise kind humans to make sure that we have that kindness within us.
0: That's so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) Thank you for asking. So before we wrap up the episode, is there any key message that you'd like to leave with our listeners today in light of International Women's Day or even just in light of our conversation and your journey? I would say that
1: there's inspiration everywhere. And it's important to look to others for inspiration. Just don't look at them for identification. That's within you. So look to others for inspiration, look to yourself for identification.
0: Wow, that is very beautifully said. I'm really big on finding inspiration around you. But I love that you're identifying that who you are has to come from you. Again, thank you so much for joining me for Colour Me PR podcast today. And before we wrap up, I actually also want to announce that Colour Me PR podcast merchandise is now officially available to purchase and is aimed at spreading kindness, positivity, (laughs) and inclusion, all while supporting women, trans, non-binary students studying journalism, communications, media, or tech. Through scholarships from media girlfriends. Please check out colormepr.ca for more information and perhaps keep an eye out on Lena's page to see how it looks. <laughs> Thank you again, Lena. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It was my pleasure.
0: And happy International Women's Day. Same to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Color Me PR Podcast. I hope this conversation helped enlighten and inspire you about the value of diversity and inclusion in PR. If you're interested in keeping the conversation going, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow at PR on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn for updates. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to our next conversation.